0: This is Carrying Into Void, your weekly podcast where we try to find the silver lining in the abyss that surrounds us. I'm Jordan Shively. I'm Brock Wilbur. And we thought we'd start this podcast by actually introducing ourselves since we realized for the last two podcasts we hadn't ever done that. Um, Brock, you want to go first? Sure, absolutely. Uh, My name is Brock Wilbur. I originally hail from
1: the Midwest. I spent 10 years in uh, LA and a few years in Chicago. And now I am back in Kansas City, uh, where me and my wife have moved uh, to uh, try to take on some political things and to try and finish up every script and book project that I've had dangling for a few years while I've been insane in Los Angeles. Uh, We have a cat. Uh, I do political writing. I've got a couple of books. I do stand-up comedy and have uh, three albums of that that you might enjoy. Uh, And I do uh, another podcast about emo music with my friend Terrence called uh, the coolest kids which you can look up and that's that's kind of what brock wilbur's up to this these days oh i have a book coming out from boss fight books about the video game postal uh set in the 90s uh about uh white uh fragile masculinity uh and and gun laws and uh holy shit is that suddenly relevant again so i keep having to go back in and refinish the manuscript as things happen in our world and uh uh, I'm, I'm just really happy to have this podcast about finding positivity because, boy. Uh,
0: Jordan, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Jordan Shively. I'm originally from Louisiana, grew up in Southern Mexico, and then went to a bunch of different schools that I don't use any of them and will owe on them until the day I die. And now I'm living in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am the co-publisher at Uncivilized Books. We're a comics publishing imprint. I also do some freelance writing. Um, I've written for role-playing games, working on an app game currently, and card games, etc. Just whatever weird, geeky thing someone will pay me to write, I'll write that. I also run the Twitter at Hottest Singles, better known as Dread Singles. And now I'm doing a podcast with you. Isn't it nice? <laughs> I think both of us need more th- more projects to work on, though. It seems like we're, we're kind of on a low ebb right now
1: we really need to both to work on uh when somebody asks what do you do having a longer list of bullshit or just work on saying not the thing you're about to ask me if i want to do (laughs) (laughs) and and i've got this twine game no just like stop you're good you can you can Mm -hmm. after 10 items we're done
0: here oh i should totally yeah i'll totally write for your magazine oh in a month oh yeah let's add that to the list (laughs) <laughs> I, sweet, I, I we sweet
1: sweet aneurysm come now if you're joining now uh with our show then uh this is also part of what we're trying to overcome is maybe to figure out uh, some better life management techniques
0: for uh for the artistically minded person all right so what's you want to we can start off this week's podcast i was going to talk about the windsor hum fantastic um, it is that and i i try to stick to the rule of not doing a deep dive on these things and getting too much into giving an exhaustive history of it. You know, this one, it's really almost hard not to do that because once you start reading about one instance of this hum, you get links to all these other hums and they all seem to be connected and there's a worldwide hum and it becomes very much like you you turn around and you have a handful of red yarn and you're putting up tacks on a board and drawing sketches and stuff. and that's where this almost led. And then I just took a step back and said, I'm just going to hit the, the point that then lead into the caring moment because I'm not actually trying to solve the mystery <laughs> of the Windsor hum. But so the Windsor hum, it's um since 2011, it was first become prominent in Windsor, Ontario, which is where it gets its name from. And it's been described as this low frequency throbbing, throbbing sound. And these people just hear it every once in a while. And no one has been able to really figure out what it is but it seems to only target certain people and they just all of a sudden will hear like this thrumming and but the people next door might not hear it but then people over in Detroit will hear it and it's the hum has been linked to them having depression and sleep nausea and aches because they it's like the sound that you can't get out of your head and it comes and goes and it's not just like an urban legend either there was a investigation by the natural resources of canada in the summer of 2011 that identified that there was an airborne frequency at 35 hertz and there's been recordings and reports since then another investigation in 2014 that was carried on by the university of western ontario um, the university of windsor and it all it is there and they've been able to triangulate where the sound is coming from they think And it's an island, which is, of course, called Zoog Island, (laughs) because there is only Zoog, and this thing needed to be a lot more Lovecraftian, so yeah, Zoog Island, Um, and that's an industrial island, and there is, of course, for thousands of years, it was marshland and a Native American burial ground. Oh, come Uh, on, you're (laughs) fucking kidding me. (laughs) Nope. Uh, And that's when I was like, okay, so that seems to feed into the idea of something coming into their consciousness Uh, but there was a shipping canal in the 1800s and the land was sold and then there's a steel production factory there with two high capacity blast furnaces and people, they speculate and this is pure speculation because they have never gotten permission to go on the island (laughs) which in and of itself is super sketchy that this blast furnace which has become a focus of like local anger and saying are you doing this to us won't just let the researchers come on the island and put it to rest like you think if they're like we have nothing to hide that we haven't actually cracked open the veil into hell and this is to to to, to like make steel better um with hellfire <laughs> or whatever that they would just say no come in and see this is even, even if it was something from there like they could be like oh we'll just Turn this to a different frequency. Thank you for helping us solve this. But nope, it's pure speculation that it's coming from those two blast furnace stacks. Could they say that there is like a bright blue flame that sometimes coincides with the hum? Jesus so that is like I know. So it gets even crazier because, like I said, this is like a part of a worldwide hum, apparently. And this has been seen in Taos, New Mexico, Bristol, England, and a bunch of other places that have a almost identical thing. And it's ranging they say the sources range from like radio towers to psychological issues and that it can lead to tinnitus, but they always all happen kind of at the same time. So what is this? You know, it made me immediately think of course of the thinnies in Stephen King writing where there's this buzzing noise when the veil of reality is getting thin and that these are places where reality is soft and you can hear the whisper in the buzz of like the underworld's calling through. So cause that shows up in a lot of Stephen King writing, like it, the short story crouches in the whole show. Haven is kind of about that. All of the gunslinger books. So, and um, the idea of the veil of reality becoming thin isn't a new one either. So what if these people are just in tune to these spots in the world? where reality is rubbing thin and they hear that friction. They hear that scratching on the other side of the veil. <laughs> so which th- there's, there, there still is somebody working on the island that people
1: can't go to, or it's just an island that they can't get permission to go to?
0: No, there's still a factory there, a mysterious factory that is supposedly a steel factory. That is that it's private property. But it's still making steel. <laughs> it's still making
1: something. I do like your idea that that they they break through the dimension, <laughs> and it's just to make like cleaner coal. Like, uh, I, I it, it's, it's like is that the ultimate?
0: Better. That's kind of like the ultimate way evil always is. It's always such boring, mundane reasons at the end. It's like, yes, <laughs> yes, we're harvesting all the power of all these lost souls, you know, to make better Windex. <laughs> oh my. This idea of everyone tapping into something or everyone hearing a tinker or a signal in the void is a very good, can be flipped on its head for the carrying into the void moment for this story. Because it makes me wonder if the idea of your consciousness being overwhelmed by a pervasive signal has to be a bad thing. If we can position ourselves in the orbits of people and things that give off positive rays... Or messages on a regular basis like every time we are around this person this work of art this is what you have we are going to be pinged with positivity I think it is possible for these signals to pierce into the void of our depressions our apathies and with that repetition we can hope to like an often hit but eventually reckoned with snooze button awaken from our collective slumber and begin to swim through the abyss towards these signals like ships towards a lighthouse and hopefully find our way to their source, stumbling like mooling newborns into the light of something new. <laughs> and that would be the carrying in the void moment for oh, that story. My God.
1: I like that you pick I like that you picture the entire thing as like a, a tuning fork that like yeah. somebody strikes it and we all hear it and like the tuning fork itself is a tool that can either tune the guitars of the Beatles or the guitars of the band Crazy Town. It's not inherently good or bad what is
0: tuning there. That uh, we could be sharing that, but, that, that but you pitch. can, but you can choose which tuning forks you you live next to. You know, you can choose which ones that you are. You can purposely go. This thing makes me feel good. This person makes me feel good, and then I'm gonna always. I'm gonna try to stay in their orbit long enough for those things to cut through my depression. For those things to to have like this psychic lifeline to me that I could then hand over hand drag myself out of this abyss. I like that a lot. That's our best yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. But I mean to next week's. <laughs> so what were you th- what was your story for the week?
1: Uh so I got one here and it's personal and it is uh perhaps too dark and if it if if I don't stick the landing I on don't, this one I, I, I don't tell understand me and you come your come words. To it. <laughs> too dark. Come on. Uh, so in 2004, uh, in my hometown, uh, a kid who was a fan of my high school band, uh, and that's the only way I knew him. So it's, it's not to be like, yeah, I, he was a fan of mine. Uh, it's just the, he'd come to a couple of our shows, him and our bass player were close. Uh, this kid, uh, a few years younger than us, he's in high school, uh, kills himself, uh, shoots himself in the head, uh, out of his family's like, uh, little cabin out in the woods. Uh, and uh, at the time I was like, that's really sad. Uh, and I remember at the time his dad being like, I don't know. I just don't buy this. I don't think it's a suicide. Uh, and uh, I didn't think about it for like eight years. And then my dad sent me this thing in the mail. And uh, it's a book called A Pristine Suicide. And it's written by Bart J. Allen, uh, the the father of Destry Greer Allen, who is the kid. And it's a book he wrote and self-published. uh And the cover of it uh, is the gun, uh, a photo of Destry and his girlfriend, a cell phone and the blood spatter and most of his body. Uh, It's a crime scene photo from, from this dead kid. Uh, And I was like, this is, this is just like, I was first, I was like, why didn't you uh, like trigger warning? Why didn't you give me a heads up that you were going to send me a picture of like a a guy I knew who, who's dead, Uh, his body. That's, that's weird yeah uh, but uh, I, I read the book and so his dad was like I just don't believe the suicide uh, and the police were like it's a pristine suicide it's just textbook everything's right there he definitely was looking at this picture of him and his girlfriend they'd had a breakup uh, he shot himself that that all works out and we're done here and they cleaned up everything and, and called it a day uh, and and what you find out in the Midwest is that uh, a lot of these small towns, Somebody just says, like, we're done, or worse, they're like, we're friends with somebody else related to this, and this story is just buried forever. And what Bart J. Allen, the dad here, did was he didn't let the police do that to him. He started investigating the case himself, but he's just this dude. He doesn't have the skill set for it, so he starts— He's he's not like Liam Neeson. No, he's not, but he spends the next, like, eight years, like— enrolling at local community colleges for all sorts of like crime scene investigation classes and Holy basically God. turns himself into like by far and away the best crime scene investigator in our state. And he's not a police officer or anything. So he keeps asking to get uh, information from the crime scene. And of course the local cops don't help out. So people like sneak him evidence over the years. And at one point in time, in order to try and get the evidence of his son's uh, death, so he could make his case that that he was actually murdered by this cousin in this like revenge plot gone wrong uh, that tore his family apart. Uh, in order to try and get the evidence, Bart J. Allen actually ran for sheriff in our hometown against the sheriff that was keeping the stuff from him. Uh, so he like he I've interviewed him once or twice now about this, and he's like, you know, it, it's destroyed my life, and like most but of our family. But it's fam- gonna
0: make a lifetime movie.
1: It, it will at some point he's a he's it's torn a city apart and people like hate him. And I, I, I never understood because like he has proof that his son didn't commit suicide. And I know that everyone's inclination is to be like, he's just a dad that couldn't accept that his son did this. And like by page 20 of this book, you're like, yeah, none of this adds up. And then you go look at it and it's like, none of this adds up. Like it, all, all these things show that like, it was a stage thing. Uh, and uh, he finally just now, like, and and, and in addition to this, I, like, he was made into this uh, weird Sherlock guy through just like sheer perseverance and like two hundred thousand really dollars low training montage. For,
0: <laughs> oh my god! Like the slowest, saddest training montage ever in a movie. There's so many finals, and it takes a decade. Uh, but, he just, it just gets gray and like <laughs> tired, and but knows what he's doing now.
1: But in addition to that, he also like wrote this book, which is like a fucking really good true crime book uh, with like all this poetic flair. And again, he wasn't a writer; he's just this guy. So like his son's death transformed his life, and he's done like ten years of this stuff, like trying to put this uh, together. And in the meantime, learned how to run political campaigns, wrote an incredible book, and became this this guy. And so uh, the the big sort of payoff here is that uh the sheriff's office finally gave up and let him have all the evidence from that night back and he definitely has everything he needs to make the case now. but over the last few years since the book came out in like 2011, uh, people in the Midwest, especially in small towns where a cops don't know how to do their job or B like somebody's just related to somebody and they bury it, uh, have have learned to just come to this guy as like the guy. Uh, and so he's helped in solving so many other, like, murders and, like, or, or, or Are even... Are fucking kidding me? Or even, like, he's, like, uh, some of it has been, like, parents that have been, like, look, we don't want to come off as the parent that said, like, my son didn't kill myself. Uh, would you look at the stuff? And he's pretty straightforward about being, like, yeah, your son actually did kill himself. There's nothing here that says he didn't. Or, like, he's he's he cuts to the chase of it. So I just... Uh, I'm, I'm so fascinated by his story because I love the idea that like something was taken from him and what he got back in return was all of this, which he has just spent his lifetime passing on to other people. And I think that that's my, my carrying into the void is just, uh, sometimes you take the absolute worst thing you, you, you ever experience and you turn it into something good for someone else. And boy, I hope if I'm ever met with a similar situation that I will, do that instead of just shutting the fuck down forever. (laughs) Oh man. That is insane. I I invite you all to look up a pristine suicide on Amazon. The cover is there. And I, every time I interview him, I'm like, I really can't believe you, you put your, your son's dead body on the cover of a book, but that, uh, I mean, you've, you've got a case to make and it's all right there.
0: (laughs) All right. That was pretty dark, (laughs) right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, but I mean, it's, it's a moment. I, 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 every he didn't me. let
1: no. it take him down whenever I see him like posting something on Facebook these days he's usually taking on injustice in some form somewhere from like a local government low level dude on up to like the highest people in the land and I'm always just like that guy's just always going to be fighting the good fight and I think he whatever
0: lives inside of him will fuel him to do that forever <laughs> it's probably just rage that lives inside of him He's a, you know, a, that a, awoke a, him from the slumber that we usually all live in and <laughs> has him like doing this thing. But it was like for the rest of he's probably just raw and wants to like make it better. I, I, I buy that. <laughs> all right. Do you have a self-caring moment for the week?
1: Oh, uh, self-caring for me this week. Uh, I played a little indie game called Beholder, which is a game where you're sort of this uh Darkly outlined amorphous blob of a human being with white eyes, uh, and you live in a dystopia where you take care of an apartment building, and you can either uh, help the government spy on everyone in the apartment building, or you can blackmail the people in the apartment building uh, when you find out their secrets. Uh, and I have been trying to play it as the most carrying into the void version of like good guy version I can. Where I just am trying to like walk around and just keep making repairs to the apartment building without doing anything to anyone, just like I would like. I like the game where I'm just like a nice, friendly apartment repair man,
0: throwing and, away the evidence and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's a gun. I'd, you know what? I'm just going to put that back under the sofa, and and they can figure that out themselves. <laughs> so, uh, my myself carrying into the void uh, is to maybe uh, is to a grab some indie game somewhere, but b. Uh, Try playing something the way it's not supposed to be played. Uh, see, what, see what you can get away with. I, I'm always fascinated by the people that do the no bullets fired playthroughs of an entirety of Fallout 3 or something like that. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've i never had the time to just sit down and, and do things like this. But uh, trying to play something outside of the way of how it's supposed to be played teaches you a lot about yourself and and also how people want you to see the world.
0: So that's mine. Mine has been a lot more normal. It's I've started trying to begin to do meditation and, and put that together with some homeopathic tinctures to, that are supposed to lower your stress. What is a tincture? Start, um, a tincture is usually an alcohol that has been infused with something, but you take like five milliliters, so it's not even like a shot. So it's more like it's just a way to permeate a liquid with like an herb. Oh, okay and and these have our, our california poppy and they are supposed to lower your your anxiety levels so but taking those in direct conjunction with trying to meditate and stop and not think or think directed ways in conjunction with the tincture is what i'm trying to start to do to manage anxiety
1: I feel like I'd feel better just saying the word tincture a lot.
0: Yeah, but like getting ahead of the anxiety instead of waiting for it to snowball. Like at the beginning of your day when you wake up, I take this medicine, which it, which I guess is like just the beginning of the road to eventually take some kind of anxiety medicine. But it's like <laughs> the baby step, the baby steps towards actually going to the doctor and talking about these things. I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck on your hum thing. I really like your hum. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Wait till you start researching this. Cause it like, it just branches off into all these different hums. And what if there's like one resonator in the middle of the earth <laughs> or something? Have you listened to the hums or is it too scary? I listened to them and they're, they're there. I mean, if that, that recording is what they say it is, it's like a, you know, it's like a hum and it <laughs> and, it go, and, it, and it, like cl- you can hear like a click on and off of it. And, um, and I bet you people are angry lighting emails. Actually there is a resonating Jordan. It's called the center of the earth and it's <laughs> a molten core and it resonates. I'm just guessing that's what someone's writing to me right now. I hope that somebody ex- mansplains the mantle of the
1: earth to you. That'll make me feel really good. Mansplaining. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I also love the idea of clicking on the recording of the hum and hearing the hum and being like, I don't know what I expected. Yeah, yeah it's a it's, it's, a hum, a, it's a, I guess. It's a fucking
0: hum. Yeah, It's um exactly the way they exp- describe it. Hello, hum. <laughs> that's the most Canadian hum I've ever heard. No, the, the 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 Canadian hum would be if it was like, mm, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> am I giving? And I say that. Am I giving with you being my favorite place in the world, <laughs> but they are very polite and friendly. Uh, okay, I'm Brock Wilbur at Brock Wilbur everywhere. I'm Jordan Shively at hottest singles on Twitter, and we're here reminding you to keep your teeth sharp and your hearts darkened here, not dark. Thanks. Bye. Bye. (laughs)